hear me. Ooh, the lights are bright this morning. Okay. And happy Valentine's Day. If something doesn't seem right to be wishing other men happy Valentine's Day, am I wrong? Anyway, happy Valentine's Day nonetheless. I hope you all have prepared for your, in the spirit of our lesson this morning, I hope that you've got your, your, your breastplate of chocolate, okay, and your sword of flowers and your helmet of adoration for your wives uh, already. My wife is actually coming home this morning after a week and a half away, which is a huge blessing to, my, um, to me and my children who let me know. Apparently, my, my daughter said to me, you know, Dad, if we didn't even know... If if we didn't know mom had left, we would actually figure it out by the way you shop. I said, what does that mean? And, you know, apparently it matters what kind of toilet paper you buy. But, all right. <laughs> Let's, uh, yes, girls. So, and, and that gets a good point to pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that you have uh, allotted us this morning and this day that you've given us. We thank you for the beautiful creation of your world. We thank you, Lord, for our wives. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for all the women in our lives. And um, we thank you, Lord, for your love that's shown to around us. Uh, Lord, send your spirit to be among us today and lead us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in Ephesians 6. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 10 to the end. Let me find my spit here. Sorry. Um, and let me just go ahead. I'm going to just read it for you first. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the devil one, I mean, the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf, the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. There's really um, three, three points I want to cover here. It's not a, it's not a sermon, it's a lesson, but it's three points uh, that I think we need to take away from this. And the first one, obviously, it begins here with the first verse. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, some of you, if you have the NIV version, may have the word power in there as opposed to strength. Um, and and that, the word power in, in, in Greek, in the original Greek, is, is this word dunamis. And it's, it's the common usage of it. Um, that's actually not the word, though, that Paul uses here. And I think this is important, because that, that word talks about power um, in, in many ways, you know, including sort of miraculous power and, and, and power that the Lord 
provides. But the word Paul uses here for strength is kratos. And he's talking about the manifest strength or power that comes from God, that is in God. I see it more as a strength that covers. Okay, And, and, and the point being that the strength comes from the Lord. And what he's setting up here, what Paul is setting up here, is exactly what Dave touched on, and he opened us up today. It's not about us. It's not about our strength. And we need to realize that right from the get-go, because Paul's going to actually walk us through what is the difficult state of affairs in our world today, and as it has been, and as it will be until Christ comes again. So he says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Again, I want to focus on a particular word here. That word schemes is methodia. Okay? So should be familiar to you. Method. Methodology. I don't know why we created the word methodology, by the way. It was the same thing as method. We just made it longer. But in any event, <laughs> methodia is, is getting to a an orderly scheme here. We think of Satan, I think of Satan, and I think of what? I think of chaos, okay? I think of, 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 of a madness sometimes, but, but really what Satan is up to and what Paul's getting to here is Satan's orderly scheme, his well-thought-out plans. And this is, this is why it's diff- we can't defeat him on our own because Think of playing chess with him. He will always not be just three or four steps ahead of you. He'll be 20 steps ahead of you. He'll know. And he knows that he, he knows each of us. And he knows that if we think we can outwit him and outmaneuver him or say something like maybe he isn't even there, okay, then he's got us. That's his method. That's his scheme. And we have to accept that we need help in this fight. So the second point here is that Satan is real and he's there. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the heavenly spiritual forces of wickedness in the, hev- in the heavenly places. Take a look, if you will, with me at uh, Matthew 4. This is the temptation of Jesus. I think it ought to be the attempted temptation of Jesus, but it's the temptation of Jesus uh, as it states here in my Bible. And it says, here at verse 8, it says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Now, that ought to give us pause If you stop and think about what, would, what ought to Jesus' response be to this? How should he have responded to Satan at this moment, given what we know? We know from John 1.10, says of Jesus, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created, both in heavens and one earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. And for him, where does Satan get off? 
saying, all these things I give to you, as if they're his. It, feels to, it seems to me like he's trying to sell Jesus the Brooklyn Bridge here. But here's what's astounding. What is Jesus' response in 4.10? Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Yeah, amen to that. But Jesus doesn't respond the way I probably would have thought or hoped he would respond. Basically, take a hike, Satan. None of this is yours, Satan. By the way, Satan, you're a created being. And by the way, I created you. No. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, Jesus has allowed Satan control over the world, to reign in the world. We know this. Why did he do that? That's a whole another discussion and lesson. But the important thing we have to understand and appreciate here is that Satan is real. Satan exists, and he's existing right now in our lives and in our worlds all around us. Job 1.7, we all know that. Satan says this. Indeed, he says it from the throne room of God when the Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? And Satan answered the Lord and said, where? From roaming about on the earth and walking around in it. First Peter 5.8. Be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. John 14, 30. Jesus says, I will not speak much more with you, for the world, the ruler of the world is coming. And, of course, you all remember uh, Marty's sermon on Daniel on chapter 10 when he talked about the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Well, chapter 10, uh, verses 11 to 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me. For I had been left there with the kings of Persia. And so that point when we talk about wickedness in the heavenly places, we're not talking about necessarily a war in heaven, in God's throne room, but we're talking about a war, a, a, a spiritual war that's going on beyond us. As Marty had talked about a few weeks ago. And as Daniel references there. Uh, William Klein, is a, a commentator, puts it this way. Paul asserts that the Malign forces have their jurisdiction or base of operation in the heavenly or supernatural realm. They attack from this command post.
but highly pernicious. We must go against, go straight to the enemy, thank you, who attacks and wounds us from his concealment, who slays before he appears. Um, you see that, the larger point here, though, is, is that Satan is in control, and on our own, we're powerless against him. There's no defense system intelligent enough to ward off his missiles, no aircraft that's tactile enough to outmaneuver him, no tank battalion strong enough to overrun him. And it doesn't matter how many weapons we have, it doesn't matter how much C4 we may have stored away or how solid our bunker is, we're not going to keep him out. We're not going to destroy him on our own. And this is, this is amazing. I, on Saturday, I, uh, as part of the class I'm in, I visited a, a Hindu temple, which really underscored for me oh, what a blessing it is to have Christ as my Savior. Um, and I was talking to the Hindu priest, and, and as I'm sure you all know that, um, and, and I apologize to those who were in the Sunday morning on Problem of Evil, because this is a little bit of a rehash, but I'll go quickly. Um, the Hindus believe in karma, okay, which basically that your good works are going to be charged to your account so that maybe you can get an upgrade the next time, the next go-around, the next, in the next reincarnation. Um, it's something like a, a cosmic frequent flyer program, I think. And, and the priest of the temple, actually he did, he compared it to a credit card, just charge it to my credit card. Um, the larger point being, in other words, it's all up to you in Hinduism. And that's really sad. Because here we are, as we can see, we're locked in a battle with Satan that we can't possibly win under our own power. And yet every faith out there, except true Christianity, says it's up to us to overcome. Um, it's not, as you see. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. Now we can get to the good news, okay? <laughs> point, point number two is, is settled now. We know Satan's among us. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the devil, uh, resist in the evil day, and having done everything, stand firm. I just have to share this, this illustration my brother um, shared with me. He's a, he's a creative director, um, a very devout Christian man, does a lot of creative stuff for the Lord. Um, but one day when he was with his firm, he was down in Alabama, and he was doing a, um, uh, they were filming some kind of a short film, and he was in interviewing uh, an, old, an elder, um, an older African-American woman. Uh, and she was sitting in, a, in her house, he said, and she's sort of this, this classical picture uh, of this, this probably 80, 85-year-old woman sitting there in her, in, with her chair and her table, and next to her table was this Bible, and it was in tatters. It was just worn. And he looked at it, and he said to her, wow, you must really read your Bible a lot. You must really be in the Bible all the time. Look at the way that, the condition that that's in. And she, she looked at him and said, no, nah, yeah, I'm in it. She said, this, that got that way, though. That got that way from every day, just beating down the devil. And I, I love that phrase. <laughs> I love that. Um... And that's what it's about. Every day, just beating down the devil with our Bible and with our God. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. <clears throat> and this word truth, aletheia, 
could refer to, I mean, there's different, different interpretations of this. Some will say it is actually just a reference, or not just a reference, but, but most, for the most part, a reference to the gospel. Absolutely, I think that, yeah. Um, but it's missing that, that definitive article. There is no the truth there. It's truth. So it's beyond that. I, I, I would subscribe that. I would say that it's, it's all of the false teachings that we need to gird ourselves against with the truth of God. The false teachings and false doctrines are the scheme of Satan. And these include, the, you know, what, what much of our world believes today, that Satan doesn't even exist. There's no hell. There's no Satan. There's none of that. Don't be silly. Yeah, Satan wants us to believe that. The second worst one is that we can somehow earn our way out of this mess with our good works. We know. We just talked about the Hindus. That isn't going to work either. We need to hold to the truth. We need to anchor ourselves in it. And righteousness. Okay, the Greek word there um, it says it means the quality or characteristic of upright behavior, uprighteousness, righteousness. Calvin, Calvin liken, likens this to a blameless life. That we must be adorned with integrity and devout. We must have a holy life. We must be above reproach. It's the same word you'll see in Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think a good way of understanding this word is that it's calling on us to do what God requires of us, to remain obedient to him and in his loving arms of strength. Remain upright. Don't give the Satan a foothold. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm relying on my, my, my friend, Mr. Calvin, a lot here this morning. But he says it is the gospel of peace, and it is so called, as every reader must perceive it from its effects, for it is a message of our reconciliation to God, and nothing else gives peace to the conscience. This is also possibly a reference to Isaiah 52, 7, which Paul has referenced before, specifically Romans 10:15. He states, How then will we call on him who they have not believed? How will they believe him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent, just as it is written, Isaiah 52, 7? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. You put on your, your boots of peace not to stand around. In other words, you put them on to walk, to spread the gospel. We have to be prepared in all times and all places to share the gospel of peace. That is the answer. That is the salvation. That is what we're going to use. That is the way God is going to beat down the devil. So when the battle rages, the enemy will promote discord. Christians need to be prepared fully to promote the peace and the gospel of both of Christ. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith which you, uh, will be able, with which you will be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. And here again, Paul's ad admonishing us to return to the source of our strength. It's not about us. We can go back to Matthew 4.10. Jesus, when he responds, he leans on the power of God. He trusts God for protection. We have two choices. 
when Satan sends his flaming arrows. We can either try to fend them off ourselves and we'll be doomed to failure, or we trust God. This is true of both us as individuals, but it's also true of the church. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I love the image of the helmet of salvation. It's, it's, our, it's, it's our most precious protection that we have. It reminds us that this battle has already been won. We just have to seize that truth. Satan reigns in the world. We know it. We see it. We experience it. And we certainly read it in our Bibles. But through Christ, what are we no longer part of? The world. In the world, but not of it. Satan can't change that, brothers. He can't do anything about that. And let me tell you, it makes him pretty angry. Just as we're powerless against him on our own strength, he is powerless to extract, extract us from the arms of the one he loves. For like Paul, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38, 39. And that, I love that verse. It's beautiful, but I love it because it's true. And Jesus has my back. So we need to remember, Satan is a created thing, just like Romans 8.38 talks about. He was once created for good, but in the end, ended up a self-seeking, rebellious spirit. Finally, we have this uh, sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Everything else, and I'm sure you've heard this before, that we've talked about is a defensive weapon, a shield, a breastplate, a helmet. But a sword is an offensive weapon. So while it isn't about us, we do have the ability to, through the strength of God, fight back. And it is through the Word and through the Spirit that we do this. You can draw people, the lost, in. And we can slay the devil. We can beat him down. Okay, just about out of time here. Um, and with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. Utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. I just want to say as my last thought here, I love that Paul says, pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. This is Paul, the hero of our faith. I mean, I, I can't imagine the day when I will look at Paul and talk to Paul and, and, and I don't even know what I will say to Paul. I mean, and yet here he is saying, I need your prayers. 
I am weak. I am nothing without God. Pray that he will help me in opening my mouth to make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that he will equip me to swing that sword for the sake of my brothers and sisters, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I sought to speak. An ambassador in chains. An ambassador isn't somebody who's in their homeland. Paul knows this. So, with that, I commend you, brothers, equipped with all of this armor to go out and beat down the devil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are the source of our salvation, that you fought this battle and that you've won it and that you've equipped us to persevere. Lord, help us to continue to persevere. Help us to be your light in this world, Lord, as we await your gracious return. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. There's some discussion questions.